Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your love and we thank you for the sacrifice that you made on the cross for us, Lord. Lord, we pray uh, that you would just touch my lips, that you would give me the words, Lord, that you would just take away all the nerves and fear. And I pray that you would just be here with us, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide and that you would be our teacher, Lord. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so my name is Joshua Bowder. Um, I'm from Chiang Mai, Thailand. My wife is not here. Uh, my wife is five months pregnant um, with our first child, and I'm super nervous about it. Um, she is in Thailand. My wife is also Thai as well, um, and she's with all of our other kids. Um, if you look at the slide, um, these are most of our kids. We have one more that's not on that picture. Um, and that's our website, um, jesusforslumkids.org. You can go there and see everything that we're doing and uh, just, just see the, the work that we're doing. I encourage you guys all to go. Um, and uh, Pastor Chris said something about Bible studies today, and I just want to encourage all you guys to get involved in giving Bible studies because it really is the most awesome feeling in the world when you give somebody a Bible study and they love it. It's one of the greatest feelings in the world. Um, so I would encourage all of you. He said he had 32. That's just incredible. And uh, I, there's enough work for all of you. <laughs> um, so um, where do I start? So a little bit about me um, is that I grew up Baptist. Um, I was Baptist for all my life until I was about 16 years old when I left the church. I started doing drugs, selling drugs, partying, having fun, you know, doing all the regular stuff that people do, I guess. Maybe not. Um, and I left the church at 27 years old. Um, I started reading my Bible again. God convicted me to stop doing drugs. Um, he convicted me to uh, stop with the lifestyle that I was in. Uh, I did not stop selling drugs. I was actually go to church um, with drugs in my pocket and people would call me and I would go outside and sell drugs in the parking lot and then come back in and put the money in the offering plate. And uh, so God worked on me from where I was and uh, little by little, um, he changed me. Um, I worked, after I became a Christian, after I became an Adventist, uh, I worked in a church in Hayden, Idaho for two years as a Bible worker. And after two years, God called me to foreign missions. And I was, I think I was 30 years old, 30 years old when God called me to, to foreign missions. He called me to Thailand. And I got to Thailand and I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I think if you talk to any missionaries, they'll let you know that once they get there, they had no idea what they were doing. They didn't fit in, um, especially in a, in a land where they don't use English characters in the language, where um, English is not spoken. You get there and you feel like a fish out of water. And uh, I definitely was a big white fish out of water. <laughs> so, um, and then I, I met my wife, we got married, and um, oh, we started working, um, we started working in a slum. And how many, how many people here feel like they could be missionaries? Raise your hand. That's a lot of people. Wow. How many people feel like you could not be a missionary? Two little kids, that's it. Really? <laughs> I, I don't believe every one of you. Um, because me... I was the kind of person who didn't feel like I could be a missionary. I didn't feel like I had the, I was the cut, how do they say, the, the cut of the right jib, you know? I didn't feel like I was, I was that kind of person. And you know, um, in Sabbath school today, um, we talked about John 17, 17, and it says, make them holy by your word. And you know, Christ is getting ready to die and he's saying to make his disciples holy. These people weren't perfect. The disciples were not perfect. They weren't ready. They weren't prepared. But God still used them to be missionaries. And I was not ready. I was not perfect. I am not prepared. I, was, oh, I am prepared now for this. But I wasn't prepared at the time. And uh, 
I mean, my wife will be the first one to tell you that I'm not perfect. And God still uses me. And so I just want to encourage you. And in my walk with God, the first question, this question somebody asked me when I was probably, I was probably about three months into Christianity or into Adventism, and I was training to become a Bible worker, and somebody asked me this question. And when he asked me that question, I wanted to fight him. My, my, my fist balled up, and I looked at him like, do you want to you go, you know? And it really, it really got to me because this question convicted me. Because I was going through a little bit of depression. I was going through a lot of things that, that happened in my life before. And he asked me this question. He said, are you having a problem because you're doing the least you can for God or because you're doing the most you can for God? And that made me angry. And you know, I want you to think about this question because I don't know the answer for any of you. I only know the answer for myself. And I want you to think about this question. Am I doing the least I can for God or am I doing the most? Because I feel, I, I, I know from my life, not because I feel, I know from my life that when we do the most that we can for God, our life changes in ways that we never thought were possible. And as I started doing the most I could for God, my life just took off and it went to, I'm, I, you know, I'm in Thailand. I never thought I would be in Thailand. I have six kids already, one on the way and a few other on the way as well. And I'm married. I never, never thought I would be married. Um, and a happy marriage even. Well, and uh, so, I mean, God will, God will take you and he will use you to do things that you never imagined that you could do. Okay, so um, this is a... Um, uh, a video of some of the stuff that we're doing in the slum. Um, I just want to show this to you real quick. How does it make you feel when they fight? Do you want them to stop fighting? Im and An, they have a really bad home life. Um, they have many problems in that house. Um, the M has told us that she's seen her older brother doing drugs in the middle of the house. We know that um, that's the main house where a lot of the drugs come from and things like that. And, you know, they said they have 10 to 17 people living there all the time. And um, it's just a really bad place to grow up in. It'd be like growing up in a meth house in America. And it's not. It's not a good place to grow up. It's not a good place to be. They, they, they have no respect for anyone. You know, they don't, they don't care about anything. So these, these kids haven't been coming to our church for probably the last six months. Um, but when we found out that sexual abuse was happening in their house, we don't know if they've been sexually abused or not. But when we found out that it was happening in their house, we decided that we needed to get them out of there immediately. Um, and there's, they have, they have two, they have an older brother and an older sister that live with them, um, and they're the two youngest, and we want all of the kids to go, but the parents will just let the kids do whatever they want, so if the kids don't want to go, they don't have to go or anything like that, so um, we really want them to get out of there and get out of that situation, um, to get away from the drugs, to get away from everything else that happens there. Uh, we've seen the, the grandparents chasing each other around with knives and hammers and we've seen, I've seen fights, brutal fights, uh, right in front of their house. I've seen all kinds of stuff. They live right in front of the gambling den and everybody in the house goes and gambles and things like that. And the things that they're learning are not good um, and they are not going to have much of a chance to do anything with their life. 
um, if they don't get out of there. Um, and their opportunity to know God is basically a zero if they keep living there. So we're really worried about all the things, um, about their survival, about their spiritual life, about everything in their life for them. Um, because if, if we just continue to let them live there, um, their view of God, their um, opportunity to know God is just going to be incredibly bad. I, I went, I've been to the slum every day for two years, and I've seen a new kid every day. Um, there's so many kids down there who have no, they have no opportunity for anything. In Thailand, they don't have a lot of the opportunities that we have, um, and so there's not opportunity for them to make it out with the way that they believe, is they believe that they will never be able to change um, who they are, and they're kind of born. It, it's kind of like a caste system, but, but not. Um, so change is something that they don't really believe in. Um, and I'll, I'll get back to them, um, Im and on, in a minute. Um, but, I, you know, we, we worked in the slum. We set up a church in the slum. You see the pink walls that were in the video and on here. Um, that's our church. It was just a house inside the slum um, that we made into a church. And working there, we've got to know some really great people, the two girls. Uh, my wife is the one on... I think the right, yeah, the one closest to the, closest to the pool, and uh, those are two of our really good friends. Um, the pitcher with the pool, that's my favorite pitcher in the world. Those, those kids uh, were just having such a blast in that pool. It was about 110 degrees, and they filled up a pool in the parking lot, and uh, it was just really awesome to see that pitcher. And uh, there's a picture of kind of the flooding that happens down there. Um, it's really dirty. There's dog poop, there's all kinds of stuff all over, and then it floods, and they walk through it, they live in it, you know, it's just part of their life. Um, so, to finish Imanon's story, um, we made that video over a year ago um, about trying to spon get sponsors to send them to Chiang Mai Adventist Academy, because as, as we worked there, we saw the problems, we saw the needs that they had, and we saw the kids suffering through all of this. They don't have a choice in their suffering. They, don't have a, they didn't make the choice to be there. The parents have put them there. And so we decided that we wanted to start a scholarship program and that we wanted to send the kids from Bangkok in the slum and send them up to Chiang Mai, send them to the Adventist Academy. And so we sponsored two kids. Um, you'll get to know them in a minute. Um, we sponsored two kids, and we sent them up there. The, the girl that we sent was actually cousins um, with, the, with the two kids that we met. Um, and while they sent, when we sent them up there, we thought that everything would change um, just because we changed the environment. And um, this is the first girl that we sent up there. Her name is Prow. And she lived in that house. That house that you saw, it is basically a meth house. Uh, they deal drugs. There's, there's you know, 10, 20 people that live there at a time, all doing drugs inside the house with no respect for the kids or anything like that. Um, and Prow was 15 or 16 years old at the time. And we decided that we wanted to send her up to Chiang Mai with another boy. And we sent her up there. And through her, we found out the things that were going on in the house because we didn't really know when we sent her that there was sexual abuse going on in the house. She was abused um, sexually, mentally, physically living in that house. Um, she was abandoned at two years old by her mom. Her mom sent her to live with her aunt who, you know, lives in that house. Um, her aunt did not like her, did not love her, and physically abused her. It was basically a Cinderella story, um, just the, the bad part of it, not quite the good part. Um, and she, at 13 years old, she started getting molested by the person that she was calling dad. 
Um, at 14 years old, she started doing drugs, started drinking, um, started hanging out with bad people. At 15 years old, she got involved in prostitution. And at 16 years old, we took her away and we sent her up to Chiang Mai Adventist Academy. We hoped that all her problems would go away by us changing the atmosphere. Um, but it didn't work. And about six months into it, she decided that her, she would be, the world would be better off without her. And she, killed, she tried to kill herself. She went into the dorm after Sabbath, went into the dorm. She took a bunch of pills and tried to kill herself. She passed out on the floor and her friends came in. They found her and they called us. So we went up to Chiang Mai. And so Im and On, they had agreed. We had, we had actually five kids that had agreed to go to Chiang Mai Adventist Academy the next year. And in the middle of the year, she killed herself. And the way of thinking in Thailand is not the same as it is here. And all the people, that, all the parents that had agreed, they changed their mind and they said, if she tried to kill herself up there, I don't want to send my kids because then they'll try to kill themselves up there. So all the doors that we had open in the slum were closed. Um, as, uh, let, me, let, me, let me go back. Um, and so after that, um, we started to be her father, her mother. Um, we took her in. We, we left the slum um, because of the, the parable of the lost sheep. As we prayed, God, what do we do? How do we handle this? God put the parable of the lost sheep on, our, on, my, on my mind, and he just wouldn't let it go. And we were looking for someone else to take care of this problem because we don't know, we've never had kids. Uh, my wife and I have been married for four years and we've never had kids. Uh, we don't have our own kid. And we had no idea how to handle someone who was attempting suicide and depression, who'd been through all these abuses and been involved in the things that she'd been involved in. So we prayed and we prayed. And God put the parable of the lost sheep on our, on our minds. To leave the 99 that we had in the slum, we had tons of people in the slum that we were helping. We were doing a lot of good, but God put it on our mind to leave those sheep and to take care of the one, which was a very hard thing for us to do. We, we loved what we were doing. Um, it was dirty. It was grimy. It was everything that you wouldn't want to be around, but we loved it, and God called us away. So we moved, we moved in with her and we um, you know, became her parents and we saw tons of great changes. Um, this is a picture of her and, and some of her friends. Um, she's very happy now and I'll talk more about her in a minute. Um, we, we can't really do what we're doing alone. Um, we are overwhelmed. We have, because things have changed and we don't have just one child now, we have six kids now. Um, and so we have a volunteer who's come to help us. Um, her name is Raquel Reynas. She's actually from Acadia, Florida, um, and she has been awesome. Uh, she has been helping us. She has been the grandmother uh, that we never had or that the kids don't have, and uh, she has just been, she's been really awesome. She can't speak Thai. She can't really speak with the kids, but they have like their own way of communicating, and it's been really awesome. But the thing about it is that she's going to leave uh, at the at, in probably about April, June, around that time she's going to leave. And so I wanted to put a call out uh, for someone. Uh, we want a grandmother type figure um, to fill that role um, because the houses, the way the, the way the family works in Thailand is there's multiple generations that live in a house. And we want to give them that feeling you know, of having a real family and so we're looking for a grandmother type figure, someone who's not afraid to go across the world by themselves, someone who's not afraid to be in a, a land where they don't speak the language, someone who can cook and clean and teach English and a really low risk, low impact, or not, not low impact, a really low risk, high impact uh, environment because you will be one-on-one -on -one with these kids or one-on-six with these kids a lot of the time. And uh, so you, you know, we're, we're looking for someone. If, if you 
you know, you, you, sound, you think you're interested, I encourage you to pray about it. And um, you can talk to me or you can talk to John and Natalie or you can visit our website um, and just, just pray about it. Um, so we have a volunteer and she's been really awesome and she's been helping us because we have, we have six kids that live with us and we have two kids that we sponsor to go to um, Chiang Mai Adventist Academy. Um, you know, this, this is the verse that has always just cut to my heart, you know, because this is about the helpless, helping the helpless. And this is what mission work is. It's helping the helpless. It's helping the people who can't help themselves because Jesus cared so much about them. And this is pure religion. It's to help the helpless. This is what God called us to. This is the Great Commission. This is the Gospel. And this is what God called us to. And a child, the, chi the children are the future. The children, it, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I, I, love, I love kids. And to see someone going down in the slums and to see the kids get hit, to see them get yelled at, abused, you know, all these things, it really breaks my heart. It, it, it's really hard to do. And you have, when you see it, you just want to pick the kid up and you want to hug him and you want to run away and just take him, take him with you and you don't want him to go back. You know, and God, God loves these kids. God loves these kids more than I do. And He's put it on my heart to love these kids and to give them the love that He wants to give them. So we have three... Um, three criteria for how we choose our scholarships. Um, the number one is if these kids desire Jesus. Do these kids want a relationship with Jesus? Do these kids want to know Jesus? Do these kids want to love Jesus? Um, we, have, we have two kids in our house that we have picked because they love Jesus. The next one is academic excellency. You know, are they smart? Are they going above and beyond? Are they getting good grades in school? Um, the school system in Thailand is very poor, and good grades, um, it's, it's really hard to get good grades in Thailand. And um, for the kids to, um, to show a desire to be smart, to grow, to, to be in a better school, um, we like to get those kids as well. We have two of those. And we have two from a bad environment. Is there sexual abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse, drug abuse, alcohol abuse? Is there all these things going on in their house, in their family, in their lives? Um, all the kids that we have are not saints. You know, like we said about our, our daughter is that she's been involved in prostitution, drugs, alcohol, all that stuff. The other boy that we have, he was involved in drugs and alcohol. Um, he's a very smart boy, but he, you know, he just did what he knew. He grew up in the slum, and everyone in the slum is doing drugs and drinking and smoking and doing all these things, and so he did as well. Um, and we, we have gotten a lot of criticism um, for taking these kids um, who are not the you know, the, the upper echelon, or they're not these perfect kids, they're not these little angels. Um, but we've had the biggest change and the biggest impact um, from the kids who were doing drugs and drinking and smoking and all these things, and it's been really awesome. Um, so I wanna show you one more quick video. Um, this is of our house now. God called us away from the slum. He called us to a house up in Chiang Mai. Uh, he called us to take care of the lost sheep. The lost sheep turned into six lost sheep. And now we live in a two-bedroom house with six kids and then my wife and I. And it's chaos. Um, it's crazy. It's loud. It's annoying at times. Uh, but God sent us there, and it's been really awesome. And so here's a, a little video um, of what it's like.
I'm Joshua Bowder. My wife is Chidlata Bowder. We run Jesus for Slum Kids. We work with Jesus for Asia. And we have a scholarship program where we take kids from slums or from bad atmospheres at home and we send them to the Adventist Academy in Chiang Mai. Uh, we choose kids from three criteria. One is education. Are they living up to their potential? Are they doing good in school? Do they want to do better in school? Do they want to go to a better school? The second one would be their home life. Do they come from a bad environment? Do they come from a place where alcohol abuse, drug abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, all that kind of stuff? Do they come from an area where that stuff is happening? Do they come from a house where that's going on. And the last one, do they desire a better relationship with God? Are these the kids that are trying really hard to memorize Bible verses where they really want to learn about God? We hope to give them a better home life. That being here, that our kids will get a better education, um, that they will increase in knowledge, that they will increase in wisdom, that they will grow, that they will um, just desire to do better in school, uh, that they'll have a better walk with God. And so far, we've had nothing but good results of the kids who have changed the things that they've done before um, to walk in the, you know, the righteous path. ยูเนสซัลัมตั้งแต่เล็กจนโตค่ะแล้วสายอยู่กับป้าตั้งแต่สองขวบแล้วป้าเนี่ยไม่ได้ให้ความรักกับเราเลยความสุขในตอนนั
The hard part for me is how can I understand the feeling of the kid? Thai culture, we not we not that hug that much, but Western culture, they're gonna, when you have some problem, you go to hug and you go into rage. For me, it's still hard in that part, but I still keep working on it because I want them to know that we love them and I want them to know that God loves them. Uh, we praise God every day for the miracles that He's working in our house and our life and, and through everyone else that God has allowed us to interact with. What we do, um, it's, it's, not, it's nothing special. We don't do anything that's out of the ordinary or, or not normal. Um, you know, we're just willing to go and to do it. And, you know, this is what God wants from us, is He wants us to have a willing heart to go where He wants us to go and to do the things that He wants us to do, to put our plans and put our desires to put them a second fiddle to what He wants us to do. And through, through that, even when, we were, even when we were already doing ministry, God calls us away to do a different ministry that we didn't want to do. We didn't want to take care of these kids. We didn't want to be their dads. We didn't want to be their mom. But God called us away, and we did it anyway. And God has really, God has really done some awesome things. Um, these are the two kids, the, the very first day that we got them to Chiang Mai Adventist Academy. Um, they were super happy and super scared, and so were we. And so this is Prowl. Um, she is the, you know, the one who led us up there. Uh, when we got her, she had no confidence. She did, she, you know, she just killed, she just tried to kill herself. She had no confidence. She didn't feel love. She didn't feel anything. She felt worthless. And so we started, uh, we new started her. You know, we, we read the Bible, we changed everything, we changed her diet, we changed all that stuff. And we told her, there was a call porter program that was going on during the summer. And so we had like three months before that came. And so we told her that you are gonna be the number one salesman through that. And she was like, uh, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. And we said, yes, you will. And so we told her how to pray, you know, before she went to sell. We taught her what to do. We practiced, you know, the pitch with her and all these things. And we went and she became the number one salesman. It was super awesome. And that gave her so much confidence. After that, she started thinking, wow, I'm good at something. I, and because in the slum, they tell you you'll never be good at anything. You are going to be pregnant with kids at 15. You're going to throw your life away. You're going to be this. And they believe it. And she got so much confidence. She started becoming a missionary around our neighborhood. Every day after school, the little kids will come. She'll put mats out, mats out in the front yard. She'll get the ukuleles out and start teaching them, teaching them Christian songs. She'll get my Bible friends in Thai and she'll read, read them to her. Then she'll, she takes it very seriously and she makes tests for the kids to do and she brings rewards for them. She treats it like she's a real teacher. She goes around to all the old ladies in the neighborhood and she helps them and she sings to them. She loves to sing and she sings to them and does all kinds of stuff for them. There's one lady that she goes to three times a day and changes her diaper for her. She goes once a day and gives her a bath. She has become a missionary just because she feels loved. Not only by us, but by God as well. And you know, a lot of times we think that we don't have what it takes, that we're not good enough, but can you love? That's all you have to do is show people love. Then we have Nut. He was the second kid that we sent the very first time. Nut grew up in an orphanage. His parents left him when he was like three years old. His family, his, his, mom, his mom and dad left and then his other family went and put him in an orphanage. He grew up in an orphanage until so he was 13 years old. Then his great aunt took him out of the orphanage and took, her, took him to live under a bridge with her at 13 years old. Nut is super smart. 
He is the smartest kid we have. He is quick and he knows what he wants to do. Um, he's very well adjusted for growing up in an orphanage and growing up under a bridge. He's very well adjusted. Um, if you saw in the video, he was the one who said that he used to be a thug. He used to drink. He used to smoke. They have like little motorcycle gangs in Thailand too. And he had his own little motorcycle gang and everything. And we got him away. And now he is... We were, we were very worried. Um, so, quick story. Um, so, we had Prow only, and Nut was living in the dorms. Then we started thinking we need to take care of him because all his friends at the dorms were doing drugs and getting kicked out and all these things, and we were like, oh no, we need to take care of him, but he's going to be a huge problem. And we were really worried, and we didn't want to ruin everything with Prow that we had going, and we were just really worried, and we weren't you know, we felt like God was calling us to do it, but we didn't want to do it at all. And then one day, I went and I picked up, well, I, me and my daughter were driving, and we saw a dog that was about to die on the side of the road. And so we picked it up, we brought it home, and we start feeding it. The dog bit me. And I was like, oh, here, you feed it, and I'm going to go clean up my wound. And so my daughter's feeding it, and she gets bit too. And then I thought, you know what, I should probably just Google and see what's wrong with this dog. You know, I look it up, and it was rabies. And I've never really seen rabies before. You know, we don't really have rabid dogs in America. And so we both got bit, and I'm like, well, rabies can't be that bad. <laughs> oh, it is that bad. 99999999, you're going to die. I was like, oh, we need to go to the hospital. And um, so we get in the car and we start driving. And I, I'm just playing, you know, YouTube on my, on my phone. And uh, that song by Ray Bolts, Thank You. You guys know that song? Thank you for giving to the Lord. Um, that song came on and in the third verse it says, it says, your sacrifices unheralded on earth, but in heaven proclaimed. And then it talks about all the people that are there with him. And it says, my child, look around you. Great is your reward because Jesus is talking to him. And that came on. And I looked in the back seat. I looked in the, I looked in the rear view and I looked back and I see her and she's just so happy. She's just smiling and looking out the window. And I just started crying and I was so happy. It was the first time in my life that I really felt joy and knew that it was joy and not just happiness, that I felt joy. And I, I look back, we're going to get rabies shots to the hospital. And she's just, <laughs> she just got bit by a dog too. And she's happy and she's smiling and she's loving it. And that made me, I, I, I'm trying to be strong, you know. I got two women in the car with me, so I'm like, turn it up a little bit so they can't hear me sniffling. You know, look the other way. But I was crying because I was so happy. I was so happy to see the change that she made. We don't get, we don't get thank yous from her. You know, we don't get you know, all this kind of stuff to, for her to see I have all I ever wanted on there. Like that makes me want to cry too. And after that, I thought about that question again. Am I doing the least that I can for God or am I doing the most I can for God? And I thought about that and I said, God, I want to do more. I want, to, I want to sacrifice more for you. And so we made the decision that day to take Nut in. When we made the decision to take Nut in, we also took in these two, Down in and Sam. They are not from the slum. They did not grow up in a slum, but they are brother and sister, and they grew up in a border close to Cambodia. Um, these two are awesome. Um, the girl that, that the video or the picture where she's going like that, that just kind of captures her personality because she is loud. She is crazy. She is 14 years old and she, you will always hear her in our house. Um, Sam is 13 and he is very creative. Um, the story that made me want to help support these kids is, um, well, there's two stories actually. So down in, had been going to church, and she decided that she wanted to be a Christian. But all schools in Thailand are Buddhist, and she didn't want to go to a Buddhist school. She wanted to go to a Christian school. So she started praying, God, take me out of the Buddhist school and put me in a Christian school. And she'd been praying for like six months. And then we showed up at her door, and she knew that we were going to send her to the Adventist Academy. And they liked going to church so much that... 
Um, they went to church and there was no one there. The door was locked. So they did what anybody would have done. And they broke into the church and they waited for everyone else to get there. <laughs> they climbed up to the second floor and got in the window and just waited for everyone else to get there. And when I heard that story, I was like, oh, we're going to help these kids for sure. Um, they, they, their, their family life is probably the best out of all the kids there. Um, their, their mom, um, the dad was talking back or something and mom grabbed a big butcher knife and slammed it down into his leg. He didn't really talk back after that anymore. Um, they, their mom actually came to visit and it was a really weird thing to me because she came for, it had been four months that she hadn't seen them. Um, she came for one day and then when they went to school the next day, instead of staying with us for the, the only two days that she was going to be there, she left. And it was really weird to me. I don't really understand that, um, why you would do that. But she did, and the kids were like, where'd my mom go? And she didn't come back till the, day, the next day before they went to school so she could leave and say goodbye. Very weird to me. I don't understand a lot of the things in Thailand. Um, then we have Ice. Ice is 18 years old. She's already graduated high school. She's actually my wife's niece. Um, and, or my niece, I guess. Um, and she decided about three years ago, when I first got there, when I first, or I guess four years ago, yeah, four years ago, uh, when I was dating my wife, we went to go see her parents, and I brought Bibles for everyone, and I gave, a, you know, I had this great Bible study prepared. I was going to show them that God is the real God, not Buddhism, you know, and those are always the best Bible studies when you try to show them what they believe is wrong. Um, and it didn't, as you can suspect, it didn't go very well. Um, and I, about two verses into it, they were not paying attention. And so I just shut it down and I said, you know what, I'm just going to tell you my testimony. And I told them my testimony and everybody was like coming in and like, oh, tell me more, tell me more. And they said, wow, if God can change you, then God can change me. And after that, she decided that she wanted to be a Christian. But where they live, they live out on a farm and there's not a lot of time to um, not work. And um, so keeping the Sabbath is really hard to do. There's some AFM missionaries that are out there and they've been working with their family and uh, been doing things with them and, and bringing them to church. And um, so after she graduated high school, she decided that she wanted to come live with us. She wanted to learn how to be a Christian and she wanted to learn English to prepare herself for university. And so um, we've been doing Bible studies with her, with her and our other daughter. We've been homeschooling both of them. Um, and they've been learning, uh, they're going through baptismal studies right now to get baptized. And so we really praise God that both of them are there. And she's a big help. She's 18. She can kind of speak English too. And so it takes a lot of pressure off my wife. Um, and this, this is our last daughter. Um, this is Boot. And she is the one that I'm most worried about out of all of our kids. Uh, even though Proud tried to kill herself, I'm not worried about her anymore. I think she'll be fine. She loves God and she loves life. And uh, so, but with Boot, um, when Boot was 10 years old, her mom tried to kill herself in front of her. Um, and she was crying, saying, Mom, if, you're not, if, if you kill yourself, who's going to take care of me? And her mom picked herself up and decided to be a mom again. And then uh, when she turned 13 and she started developing, because for Thai people, you know, uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And uh, for Thai people, she's a very, very beautiful, um, I'm not saying that she's ugly, that sounded weird when I said that, but um, she's, she's a very beautiful young girl. And so she turns a lot of heads. And when she was 13 years old, her stepdad, um, you know, Thai men at night, they'll go out and they'll sing karaoke and drink beers all night. And uh, his dad brought some friends over and when she started to develop, one of his friends took a liking to her. And so her dad would make her go out with their, go out, you know, sit on the front porch with them and watch them drink and do all these things. And his friend would try to, I, I don't know what he would try to do, but nothing good. Um, then he would show up at her window, you know, when she was sleeping, all kinds of things like this. And I, it was just really hard for me to imagine a parent putting their kid in that position. Uh, these are 30, 40 year old men and it, it really disgusted me. Um, 
And then when her father would get, her stepfather, when he would get drunk enough sometimes, he would try to pull her into his room and just all kinds of bad things. And um, actually some AFM missionaries were sponsoring her to go to um, the academy last year. Um, then they asked us for help because we live right next to it to go up there and to bring her there. And as we talked to the dean, we, she told us about the problems that she has, that she steals from everyone in the dorm. She has no friends. She doesn't get along with anyone. And she just is a very weird person. And uh, since we've had her, she regresses um, in her mind. You have to ask her, how old are you? And she will say nine or 10. She's a 15-year-old girl and she regresses back to a younger age um, because she doesn't know how to deal with her problems or deal with anything in her life. Um, but since she's coming to live with us, I mean, she still has problems and she still has uh, some things about her, um, but she is super awesome. Her and Downen have become best friends. Um, they laugh and they joke. They're super loud, super, super loud. I mean, if any of you guys have teenage girls, um, I'm sure you know what it's like. Uh, when you get four or five of them in a room, it gets super annoying. Um, <laughs> but all through our house, you can always hear, teacher, teacher, I beautiful, I beautiful. And she says that constantly. And she wants to learn English really bad. She's, she's a very poor student. Um, we're going to start homeschooling her next year. Um, we actually, we homeschooled two kids right now, the 18-year-old um, who already graduated, and then we homeschool uh, Prow as well. Um, but we're going to start homeschooling her next year, um, and we're really excited about that because she has been told that she's beautiful and that she's stupid. And she believes that, that she is stupid, that she will never be able to read very well. She will never be able to add, subtract, multiple, multiply and divide and, and all these things. And so she doesn't even try because she believes the lies that have been told to her. And uh, I, guess I, I guess that was the end. Well, there's two other kids um, that we have um, that I thought I had a picture on there of, but I, oh, I remember I took it off. Uh, okay, uh, well, there's two other kids, um, a boy and a, or actually they're two girls. They're seven and 13. Um, they are brother, sister and sister. Um, sorry. And uh, their father got caught with a metric ton of meth. And... I mean, maybe you could get out of jail for that in Thailand or in America, but in Thailand, you're not going to get out of jail. And they are Hmong, and Hmong people, the women in Hmong culture don't make decisions. And the mom was, ne she had, you know, when she was young, she lived with her parents who made all her decisions. Then she got married, and her husband made all her decisions. So when he went to jail, she was getting advice, and she thought the best idea would be put her girls into an orphanage. And so she immediately put her kids in the orphanage and she had three, one of them was too young to go in the orphanage, so she kept one and put the other two in. Um, then the brother of the guy who got caught is a pastor in Thailand and he called us and said, can you help them? And we said, yeah, and we, so we met with her and we told her that your relationship is the most important because she wanted us to adopt her kids and take her kids. And we said, your relationship is the most important. You keep saying you want your kids to walk in the godly way. You want them to be righteous. You know, you want all these good stuff for her. You need, you need to put your money where your mouth is and you need to live the righteous life and be the example for them. We'll pay for them to go to school as long as you live with them. And so we got them out of the orphanage, we got them into a house, and she lived with them, and everything was going well. Uh, since I've come to America, my wife has actually told me that um, the mother can't find a job because we live in a very small town. She can't find a job, and so she has to move back to the mountains. And so next year, um, we'll be the one, the 18 year old will be going to college, and then we'll be getting the 13 year old and the seven year old. Um, which is going to be a shock for us because seven-year-olds are not as independent as a 13-year-old. Um, and then my wife is pregnant right now um, with our first child as well. And we live in a two-bedroom house. And uh, so our house is full of love and it's, it's full of people. And uh, it's really awesome, you know. Um, 
what we do, like I said, it's, it's nothing special. I've, I actually met a woman here who had more kids than me and adopts and fosters and all this stuff. And it was really awesome to talk to her and hear the problems that her kids have compared to my kids. And, um, you know, I've never had kids. I was not prepared for this. I'm basically a big kid myself. Um, my wife is the one who has to come in and is like, stop playing with the kids. You need to calm them down. It's almost bedtime, you know? And um, so I'm just a really big kid and I love to get involved with these kids and I love to get in their lives and I, I love just to be around them. Um, you know, this is just the love that God gives to us that we give to them. You know, the gospel to me is summarized in John 3.16. It is the most, it's the best way to summarize the gospel. And the love that God has for us, that he sent his son to die, that's the love that we give to them. As we show them that we would die for them. We have sacrificed our whole life for these kids. We've given up everything that we have to take care of these kids. And these kids can see that. These kids know that. And it has changed them. And when we when they can see that we care that much about them, they are more than open to God. And we show them, we tell them that the only reason we love you is because God loves you so much. And you know, that's all we have to do is love people. You know, he was talking about Bible studies and, and doing the Bible studies uh, with all the people and everything. And the most effective Bible study you're going to have is when you're studying with the person and they know that you love them. And you can show them that God loves them. You know, the work that we do is not special. Anyone can do it. You just have to be willing. Are you willing to share the gospel with people that you don't know? Are you willing to share the people, or to share the gospel with people who want to hear it? You know, I go back to that question and I want you to think about it. Are you doing the least you can do for God? Or are you doing the most that you can do for God?